Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lobanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. From the TCL Studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? All right, everyone. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd here today. Welcome. Welcome. Lots to talk about. A lot of football. I'm sure you're surprised by that when uh, I'm sitting in this chair to get to um, some college bowl action to discuss. Actually, we're going to break down the film on every game over the next three hours. So just hunker down, get out your game tape, and we'll go over it play-by-play together. Um, Just kidding about that. But I do have... Something to talk about with college bowls. With uh, I need Manny's opinion on this because he's been fighting people online. So we'll get to that. Uh, a li- a little. I'm always fighting people. It, on Twitter, it does it seem like. it does seem that way, Manny. For someone who is uh, uncontroversial, usually on Twitter, yeah, like you you don't troll. You don't go out of your way to get attention on Twitter, and yet you seem to get attacked quite often. Yeah, I just I will just add an opinion. I'll just say, hey, you know, I'm just wondering what people think about it. And then it's just like, well, you're just you're just wrong, man. And and you you're I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, okay, all right. You want to you want to do this? We can go back and forth. All right. Like cool. I, I'm fine with it, but I somehow get looped into it sometimes. If yeah. it's about the Vikings, I end up getting tagged into it. And anyone who uses Twitter will know this, <laughs> that you just can't. There's like no escaping. You can't get out. Like once people have tagged you in an argument and they're going back and forth, just slapping each other with words online, you're like, please, (laughs) please let me leave. Let me mute both of you. That's the only way to get out of it. So I I had to do that last night. Not you, but the other guy who was ranting at you about Kirk Cousins. Um, But uh, well, let me let me get to that anyway, because there's some some offensive coordinator news potentially for the Vikings. And then I want to spend some time on the best case scenarios for all four of the major sports uh, Minnesota teams here in the first hour. And and that's what I want from listeners today to chime in with best case scenario for whichever team you want to talk about Uh, 651-646-8255 in 2019. If you're being realistic, the best thing that happens to the wolves, Vikings, twins, or wild is blank. Pick one of them, give us a call, send us a tweet uh, at 1500ESPN on Twitter, and, and we'll read them, or you know, people are emailing me during the show. You can always do that uh, as well. Uh, Manny, I, I want to say this about the bowl games because of what happened um, with 
Georgia and, and Texas last night where mm-hmm. Georgia gets beat. They never look great. Everyone wanted them to play Bama. As much as I am with Mike Leach on they should just do a tournament because it would be awesome and super fun. Mm-hmm. The best two teams seem to always end up in the final. And here yep. we are with Clemson and Alabama. They're the best two teams. They belong there. So everything else is kind of a gong show for us to be like, oh, they're playing this team and they're playing this team. We'll see who makes it. But it's always the best teams. Like Notre Dame had no business being in the national championship game. Of course they weren't going to win. They get run out of the building. Neither of the two final four games are any good at all. Mm-hmm. And once again, here we are, Clemson and Bama for the third time in four years. And if you're an NBA fan... I think you look at this and go, "Hey, it's just like Warriors and uh, Cavs, or whatever, yeah. you know, whoever LeBron is playing for." I guess, <laughs> so, you know, if he's playing for the, uh, you know, the Lakers, maybe it'll be LeBron and the Warriors in, in the uh, Western Conference Final. No one gets too upset when it's great teams over and over again going at each other. And I feel like there's a lot of yelling about the playoff system and how it's supposed to be and who should be in and everything else. And when we get to the end. It's the two best teams, and here we are. Should be a great national championship. And it's the two best teams that were pretty much all season long were by far and away better than everybody else in the country. Yeah. And what, you know, because I got into it going back and forth with people on Saturday about this, that, you know, watching the I noticed. two. Watching, watching the two semifinal, because my point was, okay, watching these two semifinal games, and they're both. They're both basically blowouts. And, you know, Oklahoma made it a little bit interesting in in the Orange Bowl, but you knew they weren't going to win that game. Alabama had that in control. And I'm thinking, are we sure we want to see this field expanded to eight right now? You know, and I got a lot of pushback from that, and that's fine. I can go back and forth with people as long as it's civil and nobody's throwing out insults or whatever. Otherwise, I'm just going to ignore you or block you. But then you then you fast forward to yesterday, and it seemed to me like the teams that were snubbed and let let you know they were left out of the top four and they should have been in there that people were screaming screaming from the heavens about you know georgia georgia got screwed they got snubbed out well georgia laid an egg in the sugar bowl last night yep and then we heard about ucf well ucf (laughs) you know ucf they're undefeated and they can't help who they play and then they get beat by LSU. Right. That's exa- that's exactly the way I was thinking of it. Is like, you know, you could talk about UCF, the real national champions. And like, that's a fun thing for them to have there at their college to pretend like they're mm-hmm. the real national champions. And good for you. Make a marketing campaign out of it. Get more people to go to UCF. Although... I'd imagine a lot of people want to go to UCF to begin with because it's Central Florida and mm-hmm. I've, Orlando. And- I've been to that campus before and it's unreal. Like there really? are some college campuses in America. I went to um, Pepperdine once for a baseball game randomly, mm-hmm. but you literally like the baseball field looks over the ocean. It's, it's just unreal. In Central Florida, it doesn't look over the ocean, but it's the same way where you're like. Who gets to go to college at this freaking place? Look at this. This is unbelievable. So they can use the real national champion bit, and they can have palm trees on their campus and and lots of fun. But the reality is Bama and Clemson are the best two teams. They Mm -hmm. belong there. And I I don't need a huge change in this. I I don't need more teams in the playoff because I think they'll ultimately just be there to begin with. At, At the same time, I sort of go back and forth with, 
Well, playoffs are fun. They are fun. But even in the NCAA basketball tournament, which is one of the most fun times in sports every single year, who ends up there at the end? It's like North Carolina and Duke. Mm-hmm. Here we are again. So most of us end up watching kind of the first day. With this, you wait till the end, you get to see the best teams, and then just enjoy the goofy bowlness for what it is. That UCF LSU, it was great. Like a guy fumbles a punt, falling down, and it bounces up in the air to the <laughs> other team, and just, you know, all that stuff going wacky as it always does in the bowl games. So the, the enjoy part- bowl season, but the best teams are at the end. The other part of that, too, is about, you know, expanding in the field it's like it's never going to stop they could they could extend this thing to eight and then once they get the eight figured out well what are we going to hear teams nine and ten are going <laughs> to yeah. be throwing a fit yeah because if like this year for example okay you got ucf at number eight so if ucf would have played alabama and alabama would have quickly disposed of them yep. and they would have then you're looking at what number nine lsu throwing a fit and saying hey well well <laughs> Right, you, and, you know what? What? What about us? You and do know? you have to have Bama then play like three games, three more playoff games? Yeah. I mean, they're already playing two, which is more than they used to play before. So are they going to end up in three or four bowl games? Like, how many games do you expect these kids to play for free? That's why I say uh, just expand <laughs> it to six. If you're going to expand, expand it to six and give one into a buy, and then. But it doesn't need to go any further than that, I don't think. And with the uh, college basketball tournament. The play-in games are offensive. It's just it's just, it's offensive <laughs> to any sort of logic in the entire world. Like the sixty-four thing is great, and it's a lot of fun. And you know, a sixteen beat a one was that was last year, right? Mm-hmm. And then and you, you every once in a while, Maryland, you have, Baltimore County beat that's right. Virginia, yeah. So every once in a while, you have these great upsets, and it becomes a great time. There's sports on in the middle of the day, which is always good, and. Then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the real first round is, it's like the P.J. Fleck year zero. Like, the the zero round is these four (laughs) teams with no chance whatsoever playing terrible basketball games that no one's watching to get in to play tomorrow to play a terrible basketball game and get killed by someone else and go home. I just, I, I'll never quite understand adding to make the field instead of 64 to 68. Like, okay, please just stop. And call, and, and call me old school too, going back to football very quickly. You know, I'm watching the intro of Ohio State and Washington for the Rose Bowl. And it's, it's not a playoff game. It's just, it's just the Rose Bowl. And I'm like, this is, st- there's still something significantly yeah. fun about it being New Year's Day and it's, the Big Ten champ against the Pac-12 champ in the Rose Bowl. There's just something still very like pure about that that I've always loved and appreciated. And I feel like if you expand this thing to eight teams or 12 teams or 16, and I got people talking about push it to 32 and all that, and I think we're kind of joking, but you, I think you just lose some of that. And there's something really special about the Rose Bowl being a traditional January bowl game between the champ of the Big Ten and the champ of the Pac-12. I just, I love that. And call me old school and grumpy, I don't know. But I, I I have a love and appreciation for that. I think what I just don't need is a bunch of teams with no chance mm-hmm. that that are that we end up arguing over whether they should be in or not when none of them have a chance anyway. So the four is okay. Maybe eight would be okay. I don't need any of that, though. Right. So when I see these teams like Georgia who's sitting there we deserve to be in. We deserve to be in because we played close with Alabama. Well, okay. I mean, you played one close game with Alabama. But and you lost. You lose, but you lost. And you end up with two losses, which is a pretty hard case to make that a two-loss team should be in there with undefeated teams. And, and 
just and then you lose to Texas. So it, it's pretty clear that we've got the right two squads going up against each other in the national championship. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward uh, to the rematch there when it comes to Clemson and Alabama. Uh, I, I want to get to some Vikings semi news. This is the this is the most like sort of kind of news that you'll get at this time of year where Jason Lockonfora is reporting that it is possible that Hugh Jackson and Mike Zimmer could be reunited uh, with the open offensive coordinator position. The Vikings, uh, Kevin Stefanski is the interim offensive coordinator. He is not under contract now, so the Vikings can't keep him um, unless he wants to stay and unless they want him to stay. So there's all sorts of different candidates that the Vikings could be looking for for an offensive coordinator. Doesn't this remind you of, like, didn't we just do this last <laughs> year with the offensive coordinator chase? But uh, now things are a little bit different because all of a sudden this isn't as sexy of a job as it looked like last year. Last year you're coming off 13-3, and three, everyone's happy, and, and the hot candidate, John Filippo goes to the Vikings because this looks like a great position to be in. Um, instead, though, you know, now, now it's an 8-7-1 and one team with a quarterback who's screaming at his wide receiver on the sideline and losing every big game, and they've got some salary cap issues to deal with. Oh, yeah, and by the way, if you don't run the ball enough, Mike Zimmer is going to call you out in every press conference about not running the ball enough. So this all of a sudden looks a little different, and I wonder if Zimmer wants to go back to someone that he knows and has had experience like Pat Shermer did in 2017. Shermer had a ton of experience with Andy Reid and and so so on and so forth. But my question is, and we'll take a break, we'll come back and and talk about this next. My question is, if Hugh Jackson ends up the offensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, let's say in in a couple weeks here, let's say no one names him the head coach and Mike Zimmer decides that he wants to get back together with Hugh, they work together in Cincinnati and Atlanta, is uh, TCO Performance Center slash uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, are those buildings burning to the ground with Viking fan rage if the Vikings hire Hugh Jackson? Uh, feel free to give us a call, 651-646-8255. Manny Hill producing as well as Jonathan Harrison. We're going to talk about best-case scenarios for each team. Uh, Chris Long is going to come up from downstairs and talk uh, with us at 3.30 as well about that. Best-case scenarios for the Vikings Twins, Wolves, and Wild in 2019. What is the best thing you could see for each one of those teams? We're going to talk about that as well, but more on Hugh Jackson when we come back. Here, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, Not a crash to tell you about, but a traffic incident of some sort on uh, 169 in both directions near Champlin and uh, Anoka, that that area in the northwest metro. Uh, both lanes are uh, reduced down to one lane, so uh, be on the lookout for that. That may be, adding, may be adding a few minutes to your commute, whichever direction you may be going on 169, Matthew. 
All right, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd, Manny Hill and Jonathan Harrison both producing, and uh, they will both give me what they think is best-case scenarios for all four Minnesota teams. And uh, I want takes on that, 651-646-8255. If you are listening, uh, feel free to send them in also to the 1500 Twitter account uh, at 1500 ESPN. But I want to get back to Hugh Jackson for a minute first. I think... You guys tell me if you think I'm wrong here, that Vikings Twitter will burn to the ground if they hire Hugh Jackson. That there couldn't be anything more that the Vikings could do, reasonable or not on this, to enrage their fan base and take away any shred of belief that might be remaining in this team being a legitimate contender in 2019 if they hire Hugh Jackson. Is that too much? I mean, I, I mean, I look at it like this. I, I, I think a lot of it. I think a lot of the reaction from people is just based off of what was he with the Browns three thirty six and one or something like that. There was that one tie. And it was this year <laughs> against Pittsburgh, if I'm not mistaken, like week yes. two or something. Or, no, no, it was week one. Um, but I don't. I mean, Hugh Jackson's a bad head coach. All right. I think we saw that with just his record in Cleveland. And then you saw how they turned things around as soon as he got fired. I mean, they finished the season much better. So obviously he's not a good head coach, but are we sure he's a bad offensive coordinator? I don't really know. Right. That's my thing. But think about it this way. Mike Zimmer is the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and handles the defense. And they are consistently one of the best defenses in the NFL. So on the other side, Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams got more out of Baker Mayfield in the offense for the Cleveland Browns than Hugh Jackson, who is there to be the similar Mike Zimmer role and and run the entire offense. Mm. And those years in Cleveland, he got nothing out of them. And you wonder, okay, was it in Cincinnati just the fact that those teams were loaded? I know that Andy Dalton was there, but also they had... uh, A.J. Green, Green, Marvin Marvin Jones, Tyler Eifert. They had a couple decent running backs. Andrew Whitworth is their left tackle. Mm -hmm. They had a great offensive line. Kevin Zeitler is is the guard there. He now plays for the Browns and got a huge contract last offseason. They had everything with those teams. And there was innovation there, but you wonder, did that just sort of, did he just fall behind a little when it came to being innovative? Because Baker Mayfield after he took over with Hugh Jackson, couldn't do a whole lot. And then all of a sudden, a guy who's never called plays before, Freddie Kitchens, has them looking like a great offense the whole rest of the year. And and I think that Vikings fans would look beyond just the coaching record, but also the offensive success, which hasn't been a whole lot over mm-hmm. his career. It's just kind of that one spot, 2015, a great year for Andy Dalton. He went 8-8 eight and eight as the head coach of Oakland, and they were a decent offense. I think they may have cracked the top 10 in scoring. Uh, Doug Farrar... I'll say friend of the program. He uh, does. He, he's an author, and he works for USA Today. In the past, he's worked for like Sports Illustrated, things like that. Big football guy. He tweets this about the potential of Hugh Jackson becoming the Vikings' offensive coordinator. Kirk Cousins is the Hugh Jackson of quarterbacks, so this makes perfect sense. Yikes. Uh, and and, and I think that that would be the frustration, is you'd be looking at a guy in Hugh Jackson who couldn't have lost any more. I mean, if the three of us were the whole coaching staff for the Browns, could we have won three? 
Like maybe, right? I mean, <laughs> any, anyone, anyone, a high school coach could have won three games in three years with an NFL football team, and that's what Hugh Jackson did. So if you're the Vikings and you're looking at him as a potential candidate, I think the fans would be out of their skulls with rage if this were to happen. And even though Mike Zimmer has a close relationship with him, and maybe Hugh is smarter when it comes to offense as the coordinator than he was as the head coach, as far as how that's going to look and feel for going into next season, I mean, you almost go from not having a ton of hope anyway after you just came short Mm -hmm. to almost none at all. You're going to feel like you locked yourself into another 500 year at best unless Hugh makes it worse. Yeah, and we heard a ton on Ventline on Sunday that a lot of the fans aren't, they're no longer fans of Mike Zimmer. They want him out, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's their opinion. I think if they did this, that would even strengthen their argument more. They would even feel even more emboldened and that put even more fire on Mike Zimmer's hot seat. I think that's right. I think that's, I think that's definitely right. If, Mike Zimmer wants to make a hire that is going to make people believe in him. Mm-hmm. There are those types of candidates out there. I, I have a list at 1500ESPN.com of a bunch of different candidates, including Kevin Stefanski, which I think if they were able to retain Stefanski, a lot of people would say, okay, give the guy a chance to implement his own offense instead of just working out of the Filippo playbook and then trying to make the most out of it. And you look at two out of the three games went really well. They're both against bad teams, but the guy has a a great background with this organization. So that would make a lot of sense. And there are other candidates that would be like sort of hot up and coming coaching candidates too. Sean Ryan is the uh, quarterback coach of the Houston Texans. He's another guy that they interviewed last year, but there are other experienced ones. Uh, Jim Caldwell has a Super Bowl ring or maybe two. Did he win a Super Bowl with Indianapolis, or at least went he, there? He went there, yeah. Okay, so Lost he went the there. Uh, Todd Monken had the number one passing offense in yards this year, but they also were 32nd in turnovers because of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. It's like a turnover <laughs> festival with those two. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter would make for many, many great uh, tweets, I'm sure. But also, like Jim Bob Cooter did get a lot out of their offense two years ago, and then Matt Patricia kind of blew that up, and they had injuries, traded away their their best guy. But it, if... Um, if you want experience, Daryl Bevel is probably on this list too. A guy that Vikings fans would be extremely uh, familiar with. That he was the offensive coordinator when Brett Favre was here. Which one gets more? Which one gets Vikings fans more upset though? Daryl Bevel you think or Bevel Hugh Jackson? Would? I because th- he didn't run the ball with uh, Marshawn. Well, should have run not the ball. Just that, yeah, should have run the ball at the goal line. But <laughs> that's but, an obvious one. Yeah. Now here's where Bevel makes a lot of sense though. Daryl Bevel makes a lot of sense because Zimmer wants to run the ball. And when you look at what Seattle did with a Pro Bowl running back during that time, Seattle was routinely one of the top running teams in the NFL. They controlled the ball. They played defense when Daryl Bevel was their offensive coordinator. And I think if they hired Bevel, at least Vikings fans would look at that and say... I mean, this is a guy who spent way more time with two organizations than offensive coordinators usually do, right? I mean, he was here for five years in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and then even longer than that, six or seven with Seattle. And, well, he should have run the ball with Marshawn overall. <laughs> I mean, how about that? A guy who consistently ran Marshawn into the ground to win games, then forgets to do it at the two-yard <laughs> line of the Super Bowl. But... um I think that that would go over okay. I think something like Jim uh, Caldwell would go over okay. 
It's the Hugh Jackson one that would drive everyone up the wall because there's nothing to grip onto with that. If it's Jim Caldwell, you could go, well, I mean, the 2012 thing is amazing. Mm-hmm. With, with Joe Flacco, a so-so quarterback, uh, you know, he goes on and wins the Super Bowl. He's got a ton of experience. He worked with Peyton Manning for years. I mean, this this is this has got to be a, a bright guy, right? And you know, even the same for Jim Bob Cooter. You could sell that better. Is hey, not too long ago, he had a top ten offense just two years ago, and Zimmer watched him, you know, beat the Vikings a couple of times. So maybe you want him, Daryl Bevel. Okay, he was around a lot and had great running games and all that. Hugh Jackson. What do you what do you sell? What's the argument? Is hey, we've been friends a long time. And the other thing with Hugh Jackson too is that he was the coordinator in Cincinnati, but Jay Gruden was Jay Gruden was the coordinator first, if I have my timeline correct. Was, and or, then did Jay Gruden? Yeah. So then Jay Gruden went to Washington, and then Hugh was and the then coordinator Hugh took over. for like a year, and then got the Browns. I think job. he was coordinator for two years. I think it was 2014 okay. and 15. Get your facts straight, Manny. I'm on Wikipedia right okay, now. Okay, that's that's what we have Wikipedia for. But the, uh, maybe you're you're making the point that Jay Gruden was kind of the offensive mind there that laid the framework, mm-hmm. and then Hugh kind of took over from there. Well, the the thing I would say is it's, it's just always very difficult to figure out when someone had a good offense for a year or two years. Like, were they really good? When you look at Hugh, and it, it was two years, by the way, 2014 and 15. Yeah, when you look at Hugh Jackson's body of work in terms of his offenses there's not a whole ton of impressive there but then you always sort of go around in circles with the okay well was it the fact that with the Raiders Jason Campbell was their quarterback so they weren't all that good the the one year in Atlanta but when when you look it over his whole career is either an offensive coordinator head coach they're top 10 in scoring two times that's a pretty darn tough sell, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, you know, the last time the guy, 2015 was the last time the guy did anything halfway decent, and they were still 15th in yards that year. It's like, oh boy, that considering how poorly he's done as a head coach too, that one to me would make Vikings fans' heads explode. Um, best case scenarios for 2019. Chris Long uh, from KSTP TV is going to stop in. The, the four of us are going to go through our lists if things go right for the Wolves, Wild, Vikings, and Twins, what what would make you happy in 2019? If you're being realistic, championship is obvious, but being realistic, best case scenario for all four teams. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Back here on Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar, hosting for them, and Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison, both producing and uh, joining us from KSTP at TV Sports, or whatever you call yourselves these days. That works. It probably hasn't, get, changed. It probably, get, it probably hasn't changed in like 100 years. Just right? get the name right, and I'm, I'm good. Is that right? And yeah. The check will clear downstairs no matter what. But, but you go with like KSTP TV Sports? Five Eyewitness News Sports oh, is the okay. All right. proper nomenclature all right so when well let's say you're getting a haircut and the lady asks like what do you do like uh i'm a shepherd shepherd. well do you tell the truth or do you 
Like, do you just kind of... Where usually... All right, so what happens is, because it's never kind of not awkward. Because you I'm don't not, go... I'm from Eyewitness News. Well, and I'm not Joe Schmidt, Mark Rosen. You know, I'm not the main guy. Main guy, hey, you're... They don't always get the station right, but they know who they are. Yeah. With me, it's mostly they think I do weather. <laughs> and then sometimes they're, they maybe know TV. Like, they're going, do I... Did you go to Hopkins High School? No. <laughs> like, I know you're yeah. from somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do, no. D- did you... Is Dr. Billings your dentist? No. No. No, no it's not uh, it. I, well, I work over at Channel 5. Oh, well, the weird ones are where they go, no, that's not it. I'm like, no, that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's not I promise it. you, that's it. That's, that's, that's probably it. it. Uh, but, yeah, normally it's... it's it's. Uh, they think that, that I'm weather, which is fine, because the weather people are much more visible than the sports I, people. I have a tough time with it, because it's like, so... Uh, why aren't you working at 11 o'clock in the morning in, in the middle of the week? I'm like, well, you know, I have kind of weird schedule and uh, right. let's not talk too much about it. And they're like, oh, what, what do you do? What do you do? And I'm like, well, I kind of cover the Vikings. Oh, oh, for who? For who? Oh, a radio station. Oh, my husband listened to that one. No, no, no the, the other, other one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've gotten that a few times. We get, we, we get a little bit of that. So, uh, so I usually try to explain it, but it doesn't ever go very well. And I was thinking about coming up with something else. Because it isn't like you where they're like, oh, you're on TV. For me, I could be anything. I could, you know, I, I could work for the Air Force. Right. So I... I might come up with something new to use. Um, uh, to give you a story along those lines, when in high school, my buddy, uh, my best friend, who is the greatest sense of humor I've ever known, got so sick. And you guys remember, senior year, oh, where are you going to college? Where are you going to, everybody's mm-hmm. talking about going to college. Mm-hmm. He would tell everybody he was going to a college, but he would just take the name of two pitchers. Because <laughs> on the East Coast, there's a lot of those, William and Mary. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of those. So, where are you going? I'm going to Glavin Maddox. It's a little school down in Georgia. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've got a really good engineering program, don't they? Yeah, that's the one. No, something like that. Everyone hey. he talked to, he would go to a different, I'm going to a Carlton Koufax. It's up uh, in New Hampshire. And, and if I don't get into uh, that, I'll go to Avery Nagel. Right, like, right. Yeah, the <laughs> next tier. And he would just ride that. Like, oh, I think my cousin went there, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Rocker <laughs> Wallers. Right. I, I didn't... Uh, make any sort of decision until really late and I went to community college so that was really like uh, air out of the room when people oh you're you're a senior where are you going to college oh, I'm just going to community college like oh that's okay I guess which and in hindsight saved you a lot of money that's right <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have no college debt at this point mm-hmm. at my age which I think is really good compared to most people in their I 30s think I wrote still my, have college debt I think my, I got it 38, 39 somewhere in there is yeah. when I finally got out of it community colleges man they're the best mm-hmm. um, so I brought you up here yeah, not, not to, do to any talk of that. about haircuts um, or parking spots like you did the other day with Doogie. We won't get into that either. Thank you. But uh, the best case scenarios for these teams, and if uh, people want to give us a shout on this, 651-646-8255. And I, I want to start with the Vikings because it's what we've been talking a lot about. And just where the expectations end up being sort of for this offseason and what the best case scenario could be in 2019. And I think that it is no longer Super Bowl is even in that conversation for best case scenario where they stand right now. Now it becomes next year on December 31st, we're talking about a playoff game to preview, and that's probably the best case scenario. I'll be the homer and completely disagree and say the Super Bowl is still in play. That's still a Super Bowl caliber defense, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, but is it going to be the same? 
Is Everson Griffin ever going to be the same? Is Sheldon Richardson going to be here? Is Anthony Barr going to be here? Is Xavier Rhodes ever going to be sure. the same? Does Linval start showing his age a little bit? Sure. I think it's still, at least next season, still a Super Bowl caliber defense, and I'd like to think the offense figures some things out. So I think Super Bowl certainly not the expectation like it may have been this year. I think that's best case scenario, and I think the absolute minimum is a playoff. So you're saying that then in 2019 that we should be talking about previewing a playoff matchup and expecting to win that matchup? That's best case scenario, or is it even higher than that for best case scenario is... They've figured out everything with Kirk Cousins. They've painted over every shortcoming of his. Mike Zimmer has not savaged anyone in the media all year long. It's it's just I didn't gone, say all that. right. Like none of that. None of that feels. But you see what I mean? Like the the defense just bounced back despite possibly losing a couple of stars. The offensive line has no injuries and fixed. I mean, like all of this is possible. But how realistic is it to say best case scenario is talking about the Super Bowl? Well, he's best case, best case, best feasible outcome. Certainly not most probable outcome, but yeah, I think best feasible outcome is, yes, I think it's still there. What do you think, Manny? I think I'm looking at offensive line, obviously, I think is the biggest thing that they need to address going into this season. And I think this is the time now that I think Rick Spielman finally will like actually wake up and address the offensive line, which he needs to, because you're kind of stuck with the quarterback that you have and you realize the only way he's going to perform well is if you improve the five guys in front of him and even then I mean I'm not even sure that that's a fully guarantee that Cousins is going to continue to play well because I also think it's going to depend on who the coordinator is going to be and can you get can you bring in somebody that's going to be able to get the best out of Kirk Cousins and I honestly have no idea who that even is I don't know if it's Kevin Stefanski I don't know if it's Hugh Jackson or Jim Caldwell or whoever but that's to me like if best case scenario it's going to be Improving the offensive line and finding the right offensive coordinator to get to, get to Kirk Cousins, and I think that will set them up to contend for the division next year. And that and that's what the, okay, the division I feel like is more realistic for us to be talking a year from now on in December about can they win the NFC North? Like let's say Chicago slips back a little, Green Bay is still in it, but are they actually going to be able to win the division? The problem is when I have this conversation and talking about where they should be is the number of things that you have to name before you can get to that. Well, if this 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 and this happen, mm-hmm. then we can be talking talking about the best case scenario. So you're saying there's a chance. Right, that's where we end up being. What do you think, Jonathan? I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy to lead this team to the Super Bowl. I, <gasps> no matter what you have piled up with the rest of the team, he just doesn't feel to me like he's got it in him to lead him. Blasphemer. So I went with a little fun on this one. <laughs> Zimmer finally exerted some power in what he wanted for the offense because we've heard about, you know, he has the height and specific height and weight measurements for all the defensive positions. Yes. He finally did that to Rick's... Er, he finally gave his requirements for the offense to Rick Spielman, and his only one was, I want Teddy Bridgewater back as the quarterback. This is your best-case scenario, yep, is they is bring back Teddy Bridgewater? They bring back Teddy Bridgewater, and Zimmer forces a quarterback competition. Remember when I said Teddy it has to be like, realistic, John? I already told you the realistic one. <laughs> you still have the Teddy crush, huh? All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what, though? This made it worse for everybody. This year made it worse. Because everything that Teddy was, Kirk isn't. Sure. The, as a leader, as a guy who brings everyone together, as a guy who, when you have third down and long, makes a big throw, as a guy when there's outside pressure, because his tackles were 
TJ Clemmings and Matt Khalil, by the yeah. way. So that's that's where I get a little uh, flustered when it's like the offensive line, the offensive line. Somehow Teddy won 11 with TJ Clemmings and Matt Khalil, okay? One of those reasons was he had lots of pocket presence. He had a gamerness to him, a calmness to him that Kirk doesn't have. So if you loved Teddy, that's why you loved him. And this has to drive you absolutely bananas to watch Cousins because he's the antithesis of Teddy in so many ways. It's just the whole thing. It's just so much more fun to watch a quarterback. I, Brett Favre is the poster child, but there's not going to be another Brett Favre. But you'd much rather that than 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 the Peyton Manning. Now Peyton Manning was at the other end, but was per, the perfect robot. Mm-hmm. Anybody in between, you want them to either go either way. You either need to be mm-hmm. really great on this way, or just run around and fling it all over the place like Case Keenum did. It is really something though with. Manning and Brady, that they couldn't outrun you or I. No, robots. <laughs> and yet, their pocket presence and the way they move around, I, I think that that's what drives everyone so crazy with Cousins and, and how he brings the pressures on himself so often is, okay, Mike Remmers got beat again inside. Are you allowed to step around that guy and move yourself or not? I mean, I, I think you are. And so often... Someone like Manning or someone like Brady was able to do that. I know they're on a different level, but every once in a while would be fine. And if you, sorry, longer, if if you plug in one of those guys, if you plug in Tom Brady even now at 41 years old, and he's obviously not the same guy he was three, four years ago even, but you plug him into this Viking situation, and yeah, the offensive line is bad. He'd figure but, it uh, out. But, but I, I, I tend to think... One or two times a game, he's going to do something that Kirk Cousins won't do or can't do. And that could be the difference between a win and a loss. And this team missed the playoffs by one game. And it's not like Brady's ever had the best offensive line in the league. He's always had... You know, a couple years ago they were starting uh, to tight end. He had a couple. Sometimes, he some, had a couple good ones. He did. Yeah, I think <laughs> earlier. Did, I think earlier in his years career. Early yeah. in his career, he did. But as he's gone along, it's been so-so, and he's still mm-hmm. he's still done it. He's now he's the best ever. I'm not putting cousins against that. I'm just saying <laughs> those guys are great examples of what drives people crazy about cousins. The way you know when you're watching a Brady or a Manning or even guys a couple steps behind uh, Eli Manning, even mm-hmm. you see those guys crumble and just take the sack. More often than not, you go, yeah, all right, good move. Sometimes you see cousins do it. You go, oh man, like go that yeah. way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh. When you see those just other guys up, do it, you go... Up, take uh, one step forward. Yeah, you go, oh, yeah. good move. There's nothing to gain there. Protect the ball. Go down. Don't get hurt. That, that's I test. That's how I feel you know when someone has earned your trust in that in, in the pocket present. And, and with the whole conversation about best-case scenarios, it all comes back to the quarterback because we know that there's enough there to do what you're talking about, Chris. That's why this year was such a disappointment sure. because there is enough there to be a Super Bowl competitive team this season. There will probably be enough there to be a Super Bowl caliber team, but it's when you have a quarterback whose shortcomings are so glaring, I don't know if you paint them over entirely by signing Roger Saffold from the Rams. Like, is that is that really going to be enough? I mean, I, I looked up... Will Hernandez today, just you know, because why not? That's what you yeah, do. That's right. And he was he was Kicking tires. He As was one does ranked 18th by Pro Football Focus out of like 60 starting tackles. And of course, the Vikings tackles are toward the bottom there. Uh, or sorry, I'm sorry, guards, yeah. starting guards. And I was thinking about if he had been in, would it have made a lot of difference with some of the the games where Cousins just couldn't play? 
Like, would that have been the difference between them making it? As much as I was on the you should have drafted Will Hernandez in the first round train, I, I keep coming back to if you can't beat any team who makes it tough on you, then how can we talk about even best-case scenario being a Super Bowl team next year? Or, or how can we even blame Mike Remmers and Tom Compton for this when you all you needed was seven points and a play somewhere along the line to get into the playoffs. You needed one more game. There's some chicken and egg there. You know, was Cousins what he was because the line what it was, or did Cousins not help the line? But it, there, there's definitely some chicken and egg there. And they were. I, I looked this up today. Um, well, first Cousins was 17th in the amount of time it took him to release the ball. I mean, Sam Bradford was like number one when he had the bad offensive line. So Bradford, <laughs> he, he knew, and, yeah, and and th- there are just a, an amazing number of times where he's in the pocket, in the pocket, and yeah. your brain is going, uh, "Buddy, get rid of it, buddy, get rid of it." And he's sacked, and then we look back and, and go, "Oh, it was the guard's fault." Well, it, it wasn't always, and 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 that's where it just comes back to me with I think that if you're talking next year about can you be in the conversation for the division? Can you be in the playoffs? That's about the best-case scenario we can think of for the Vikings. Uh, We want to talk about the other couple teams as well with you, Chris Long, from Eyewitness News, KSTP, Channel 5, plus the weatherman. Nailed it. Got it. And uh, also Manny and Jonathan producing as well. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 94 westbound, we've got a crash. Yeah, you guessed it where between Highway 55 and 35W in Minneapolis, and it's causing a few extra minutes on your commute because there always seems to be a crash in that area because people don't really slow down for those slimmed down lanes and those curves and everything. So people, you got you to gotta drive carefully in that area. Anyway, please continue, Matthew. All right, Manny. I wasn't listening to the traffic report. I'm sorry. I, well, it's just typical. It's crashed between 55 and 35W on 94 because... Sounds about right. Yeah, because those lanes are slimmed down and people don't... People drive through there like it's the, the Daytona 500 or something and, you know... I think it's fun to drive through there and weave around and jump through people. <laughs> um, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Chris Long from uh, 5 Eyewitness News KSTPT Television. I'll just keep making this joke. Yeah, close enough. Until... What did I screw up there? No, nothing. It was perfect. Oh, okay, good. Uh, Until we're done working together. I will now make that joke. Uh, Also, Manny and Jonathan as well. And so let's talk about some of these other teams on best case scenarios. And uh, Manny can kick us off with Wolves here. Is the best case scenario, Manny, I hate to say this, um, that they lose every game (laughs) all the rest of the year? And then like the not trying for Zion? Is that what they should be doing? Here's what I put down. Uh, best case scenario for me, from my viewpoint, is that uh, Tibbs is, they move on from Tibbs. They bring in Chauncey Billups as uh, president of basketball operations. Ah, interesting. And they land a, land a top three pick. Now, maybe they don't tank for that top three pick. Maybe they just get some luck in the lottery and fall into the top three and get the number one pick and end up with Zion Williamson to put next to Cat uh, in the front court. And then the other part of it is that they find a way to move the Wiggins contract. So you've taken best case scenario to me. Yeah, he's gone extreme. <laughs> you know, so now yeah. Wiggins is gone. For the, whole, gone. the whole nine, yeah. Not for the Timberwolves. They've the got case. Zion Williamson, and they'll never lose again. 
Like, <laughs> all right, Pretty man. Much. He's yeah. got it figured out. What do you yeah. think, Chris? Uh, I think short term is the, the best case, and I'll play straight. Uh, boy, find a way to just get competitive and, and, and play good basketball and spotlight Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Get him whatever it is is needed. I am not a basketball X's and O's guy. Do whatever you need to do so he can do whatever he can do every single night. And I don't care about systems and offenses or anything else, what you think you're going to run, Tom Thibodeau or any other coach. You run Carl Anthony Towns as hard as you can and let him take you as far as he can take you. So best case scenario, well, I'd love to have, it was so much fun last year having those meaningful games late at the end of the season. And, and you know, the West is still kind of bunched and, and maybe they figure it out. So best case, meaningful games end of the season. Can I, can I read off his uh, numbers from his last five games? Cat? They're, they're ridiculous. Or Wiggins? Cat. Okay. I yeah, had to leave Wiggins out of this. It would be a whole segment. <laughs> uh, 26.2 points, 15.6 rebounds, 5.6 assists, and uh, three blocks a game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, th- turn him loose. Turn this him is this loose. is the guy. Mm-hmm. This is the guy. And this and, is why it's so frustrating what happened with Jimmy Butler because this should have been another year, another shot at it being legitimate with Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. And if him and Towns, if Towns is playing like that, and Jimmy's playing like the way he did last year when he was healthy, you're talking about. Uh, a team that should be, uh, that would have been in the playoff race right now. When I look at the West, I don't think it was. It is as strong as we thought it was going to be, mm. and they should have been right in that conversation. And now it feels like uh, there was that that brief moment when people thought Covington was going to be like better than Jimmy or something. And, and now, it, I mean, that's just not realistic. And now here you are, just like tenth place in it again. Like the Wolves being the Wolves right back to where they were. Jonathan wants the Wolves to sign Teddy. No, Jonathan. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bring Teddy into <laughs> all the other teams. <laughs> no, mine would be uh, get rid of Tibbs, trade Wiggy, I don't care where, just anywhere else. And then somehow get a top three pick in if, the upcoming draft. This has gotten so bad with Andrew Wiggins. The, yeah. the best case scenario in 2019 doesn't even have anything to do with the record doesn't have to do with who they sign. It doesn't have to do with who they draft. It's if they got rid of Andrew Wiggins, I think every Wolves fan would sit here and say, 2019 was a great season <laughs> because no longer do we have to talk about the 30% shooting nights, the one rebound nights, the zero assist nights. But he just got his max contract. I know, and there's mm-hmm. no way. There's if just you no felt way there was a way. Him. If you felt there was a way that he could improve on what he is, then yeah, you'd we'd be talking different, but we haven't seen anything to think that he's going to improve. So the best we the best we can hope for is that he gets traded. I've said, and I've felt this way for a while, that if the Wolves are able to move, by some miracle, move Andrew Wiggins' contract, whoever trades for him is going to be either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. Yeah. Yeah. If they're incredibly smart, it's going to be because they acquire him and they figure out a way to unlock him and turn him into what he has the potential to be. Or they might end up being incredibly stupid because if you're the team that trades for that contract and he's not any good and he continues to be what he is right now, you're going to look incredibly stupid because it's going to be even harder for you to move that contract the, the Wolves, than it is yeah. than it would have been for the Wolves to move it. The Wolves need the Edmonton Oilers to be in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. right. So there's someone every, dumb enough? Every yeah. NHL yeah. GM's first call. Okay, uh, last comment on, on the Wolves, and then we do have to mention the Wild, too. Um, if I wonder if they offered someone four first-round picks to take Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> if that's a good deal. 
because you because of the space you have. People will want to play with Carl Anthony Towns. I That's I, true. I think it would be worth thinking about if you if found out did. if you found out that there was somebody. Let's say his name it rhymes with Schmanthony Schmavis, and he <laughs> wanted to play with Carl. They wanted like this twin tower, unstoppable seven footers, bomb and sure. threes thing. What, what going do you on, need right? your next four first round picks would for? You, right? Would you say Pelicans will give you the next four first round picks? For Anthony Davis, and then he signs a, an extension. Like I think you do it, um, but I don't. You know, it's not that's not realistic. No. But there's my best case scenario. Um, with the Wild, just let Paul Fenton trade someone. If in mm-hmm. 2019 they let Paul Fenton trade someone, Coyle, Nina Ryder, Zucker. At this point, it doesn't matter. Just trade. Just trade someone to make anyone believe that you can change the roster. And I'll and I'll be happy with 2019. Who's their most tradable asset? We had that conversation on here last week. I think it's Zucker because he's got scoring in the past and a reasonable contract, but he is such a one-dimensional player that I think you can replace that overall value that you lose with Jason Zucker. Uh, Niederreiter has fallen off too much over the last two years. He was one of their better players, and now he's just dipped so much. What about Granlund or Dumba? Uh, Dumba, I think that is a... Seller move. Yeah, we, it's we're not doing it for this mm-hmm. year. If we move either of those two, guys. you don't move Dumba. He's too good. Yeah, so Defenseman. I don't want to move Dumba. They're, they're so way too. too valuable. Granlin has always intrigued me because he is again a kind of one dimensional winger. The problem is that he does produce quite a bit, and for his salary, that's like they're, they're getting their value out of him. He's just not the dominant center that they once wanted him to be. Now he's sort of a one-dimensional scoring winger, which they have too many of these players. The one thing you might hope for, you brought up Edmonton, is that some <laughs> dinkest team is like, right. Coil 6-3. Right. You know, just like Montreal, right? right. you got to yeah. think Montreal, somebody somewhere in Montreal's front office is going 6-3. I mean, they were dumb enough to trade P.K. Subban, so they might be stupid enough to... For a guy who's 6'3", you know. or 6'4", six, yeah. six, right? Like, big guy, that's what I like. It, you know, if you could do that, then maybe, but they are in such a tough spot. I just I just need to see some, some sort of shift here to make anyone think that at some point ever they can be more than the same old team. So that's your best case? Make a move, make the playoffs, win a series or two? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, no. <laughs> Don't make the playoffs. Get get a get a draft pick. I mean, try to get to yep. the bottom of that central. I sell off a few parts and yep, try to get someone to rework this team with, and then go into free agency next year with a little bit of cash to try and rework this thing. That's been the problem. They've just been so handcuffed the last few years. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Chris, thanks for stopping by. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, boys. Watch Chris longer. Long on television, and if you cut his hair tomorrow, I'm going in tomorrow. Okay, great. <laughs> Get it right. Like get the station right. It's Channel Five. Right. That's right. It's not. It's not the, those other channels. The guy who cuts there knows it's the other people. It's not know. weather. Right. Sports. I'll take the paycheck for weather though. Yeah. Right. Happy New uh, Year, guys. <laughs> thanks, Chris. All right, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Um, our friend Jace Frederick is going to join at four thirty to talk more Wolves. He's going to explain how they're getting Zion Williamson uh, at four thirty just for Manny. But he also tweeted something that just blew my mind with. Kirk Cousins today. He made an amazing discovery. Plus, the quarterback bubble when it comes to salaries. Uh, Kevin Clark of The Ringer wrote about that. I, I want to talk about his article today as well. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On 1500 ESPN.